Welcome to the Mind Chimp Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today I am in the office of Misguided in um, Salford Keys, Manchester, and I have the pleasant and ever, ever delightful, ever so delightful Tim. So, Tim, I guess before we even get started, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to pick five numbers from one to a hundred, please. Cranky. Well, first of all, thank you for that intro. Nobody ever describes me like that, so I'll pay you later, mate. Okay, cheers, Tim. Five numbers. Uh, right, okay, well, I'll have to go for my kids' birthdays. Two, three, 18, 20, and 30. I should just say, I haven't got five kids. The first two numbers were my kids' birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, you've been really yeah, busy. If, if my wife listens to this, she'd be like, who are these other kids? <laughs> hey, so Tim... Um, what I thought we'll do is before we even get started, so quick question to you. When you was in school and the teacher would ask you this question of what you want to be when you grow up, what would be the answer you'd give? Play for Manchester United. Okay. Then they'd tell me that I'm never going to do that. And probably at school, I genuinely didn't know what I wanted to do. I always loved English drama for me since. There's a DVD you can buy on Amazon with me as a young kid in it. In my acting days, but I didn't know. I genuinely didn't know. I didn't. I didn't worry about it. I was too busy having a, having a good time. Uh, I, I probably you. I looked at studies as that. That was it. I mean, it's a relatively long time ago since I went to school. So I don't. Back then, there wasn't really the link of if you enjoy English, you should follow a career path to continue to enjoy that. Your careers advisor was an arts teacher or somebody who didn't have anything else to do. Okay. So no, I never really thought of it. And then uh, went into college and then got a job in a bank. That's that's what you did in the 90s. If you didn't go uni, you, you got what was considered to be a solid job. That's a good shout. I think when I um, I'd left school, pretty similar to, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I did an apprenticeship. And I was doing an apprenticeship for, I used to build limousines. But again... It was just a role, it was a job where someone was like, go get a job, figure it out later on down the line. And you I build guess... limousines, what, like kit cars? Or... <laughs> so yeah, so it was, um, we used to do the limousines where you get, so it was Mercedes, and you used to cut them up, and kind of, basically it's a bit like a cut shot, really, but you've seen all these, you know, kind of theft auto and <laughs> you stuff You were like filing numbers on through <laughs> yeah. DJ, yeah. did you? <laughs> Doing drive-bys. <laughs> it, was, um, it was just basically, it was Mercedes Saabs, um, a Ford from Australia. Right. And it just, yeah, it was just, I think I worked on, I worked on one for Oasis. Um, I worked cool. on one for Phil Collins. Um, so yeah, we, we did some random ones. And Top Gear was there once as well. So, no way. Yeah, there's a video knocking about, I went there. It was my dad who was there on that day. That's, that's how I got my apprenticeship. Oh, it was right, a case okay. of, come work with me, son. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but that, that's what we did though, wasn't it? Back, God, I sound like my dad now when I say back then. But yeah, that, that's you either got a trade, went uni, or got, what, like I say, what was considered to be a steady job, or your dad, a family member, whatever, got you into some kind of employment. I mean, I'm talking about it as if it's like from the dark ages, but that, that was what it was back then, wasn't it? Yeah. You didn't have an option of doing nothing, yeah. rightly, as far as I'm concerned. I, mean, I probably didn't think that at the time, but yeah. 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 <laughs> No, I don't want to go to work. Yeah, just, just leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> you need to be a real adult now. <laughs> so, um, 
I guess what you know when when we join up, when I asked you to come into the podcast, I asked you what your logline was. Um, can you remember what you said to me? It'd be interesting to see if you remember. Uh, oh, I'm, I, might, I might have a printed coffee. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> might depend on what day I answered this on. Uh, oh, the three words. How can I forget? Mad for it. Yeah, I put with a ridiculous desire for rock and roll L&D in brackets, coaching, leadership development, growth mindset, flow my boat. And throw into that two kids, a wife, a lot of football, music, cigarettes and alcohol. Awesome. <laughs> cigarettes and alcohol, I love it. So, Mad for it L&D. What, what is that? Yeah, um, Mad For It is, um, again, probably showing me age, Mad For It is, it's a mank, it's a 90s say. What I mean by that is, what I've what I've done in, in the last couple of years or so is, th- this growth mindset piece is really important for me, this mindset thing is just huge and drives so much of what we do. So what I've done is I've taken Carol Dweck's fixed versus growth mindset and turned that into what is a saying amongst me and my friends of... Um, CBA versus MFI. Okay. So CBA is your fixed mindset. It stands for can't be asked. Yeah. And uh, MFI is mad for it and stands for your growth mindset. And I think that the reason I suppose when you asked me about my logline is because I think I see everything I've done prior to joining L&D has a massive influence on how I like to operate in L&D. And I don't mean that because I've done qualifications and I've travelled the world and I've done this. Just that mindset of me, this this belief in terms of uh, you should enjoy what you do. It took me probably till my thirties to realise that you should do that. And so yeah, and I, and I think it, it's that piece of me. I'm really really passionate about this thing about L and D. Of I'm not supposed to use the word passionate. Um, <laughs> I'm really uh, driven, and I believe that from an L and D point of view, it should be much more than training records, sending people on courses. It should be very influential. It should set the standard for how people behave, how, how people's mindset are within a business. And I think a lot of that is when you get to 39, I am 39, um, you, you realise... You look younger than 39. Thanks, mate. I am Sorry. 40 this year. But, um, but yeah, you realise that a lot of the times the setbacks that you have are because you're not enjoying what you're doing. Right, okay. um, and you're possibly allowing other people to influence you that uh, causes stress, depression, whatever you want to call it, just not enjoying. So that whole mad fruit piece comes from that mindset of tomorrow's another day, something will happen, maybe resilience, I don't know. Let's get back and do it again. And if I get the chance to work with people in terms of learners, let's influence them in the right way. Because as we know, from a learning point of view, you can. I, if anybody knows me or listens to this podcast, I'll be sick of hearing this, but I would say, I can take you to Barbados for a week on the best training course you'll ever have. You, The learners decide whether they do something with it or not. And it's how you influence them when you've got that captive audience in terms of whether they do something with that learning. So yeah, it all comes from that really. And I think this piece that I threw in there about, I'm, a, I'm family's very important to me, I'm married to two brilliant daughters um, but a lot of what makes up me is that piece of I'm mad on football I'm mad on music and uh, yeah smoked a lot of cigs drank a lot of alcohol <laughs> why not <laughs> living life living life so I guess um, obviously me and you I know you from from way back when when we created the whatsapp group you was one yeah. of the first people in there very influential voice within the group still are but I guess you know if people don't know Tim from the group I guess maybe a bit of a brief history or bio on you before you joined the group maybe for them who don't know you yeah blimey um i've probably taken a very different route into L and D 
um, from a career point of view. So as I said before, left college, got a job in a bank, didn't stay there very long. And then sort of maybe drifted into different organisations in one sense and was given a chance to manage people at a very early age. A, a mentor of, he's still a mentor of mine today, Martin Esketh at a company called Bruxen. He gave me a first managerial job. Found I really liked it. I've always liked working with people. Always liked having an influence. I'm not really bothered about decision making or authority and power and things like that. But I like to feel part of something that's really important to me. And I think it's just kind of grown from there, really. So did, um, in crikey, I've got, what, 18 years leadership experience, something like that. Um, went from Brookson into a training development business. That, without knowing at the time, got me that passion for learning, helped me to see from a training development organisation that went into other businesses and delivered that training development and influenced me in that way, helped me to see the benefits that it does. Then went into a completely different kind of consultancy, um, a purchasing group for social clubs and pubs okay random yeah did two years there probably two of the uh, hardest years of my life because i worked for a boss who is he will admit this hard to work for <laughs> but he took me on a journey that at the time again, i didn't realize first year hated it cried in work stressed did the typical thing worked long hours work weekends ruined me kind of home life because i just wanted to impress this boss until something clicked that what he's doing is he just wants me to stand up to him and he wants me to win his trust. So it was a real light bulb moment of this whole element of emotional intelligence, this element of actually reading people beyond him telling me what to do and shouting at me at times. And then the second year was an amazing experience when I won his trust and he, he brought me into his inner circle, if you like, shared a lot of what made him successful. He's a successful guy, owns a number of different businesses, properties all over the UK, things like that. So really, in one sense, toughened me up, but gave me a good insight into where this leadership comes from, his decisions. Then took that into Eddie Stobart, um, did six years at Eddie Stobart doing different jobs. I was admin manager there, um, not, not responsible for staples and pencils like my mates always tell me, <laughs> uh, but basically responsible for the after delivery, so making sure we got paid at the end of the day. Um, did a leadership development program there that reignited my unknown desire for learning from when I worked at the training development business. Um, I was then um, lucky to meet a lady called Zoe Sinclair who worked in the training academy, got to know her, she sponsored me for a few different projects, worked with her, we got on. Classic case, she phoned me one day and said, Tim, there's a job being advertised on Friday and you are going to apply for it. And the rest, as they say, is history. I guess that's when I stepped into the training academy, first of all, as training academy manager, so more responsible for the day-to-day -to -day operations of it, the recruitment side of things, and then got the chance to work with Zoe, very close to Zoe for two years, and had that thing that I think we all need, that amazing boss, that person who pushes you, person who tells you what you're good at, what you need to improve on. We were known as mum and dad within the training academy, also known as sexy and boring. <laughs> I was boring, probably don't need to tell you that if you've ever met Zoe. <laughs> But yeah, I had this amazing journey where this this just ignited this thing where I read every possible book I could get my hands on, got introduced to Stephen Covey and his Seven Habits, which, don't mind saying, changed my life. Around the same time, I'd become a father, so I think that started changed my way of thinking of, I can't be a knobhead for the rest of my life, I've got two people who depend on me now and I need to keep them alive. So I think just kind of, it's almost, not, I wouldn't say an epiphany, but just this thing of, now I know I've always wanted to belong to something. Now I've found this thing that it was Eddie Stobart and then ultimately it's L&D. Had an amazing time there, settled the talent development piece. 
really pushed myself, challenged myself to qualifying coaching, NLP, um, accredited trainer trainer, all that kind of journey that people need to go on, I think, to challenge yourself. Because if, if I'm if I'm responsible for LND, well I should I should learn, should practice what I preach, you know. Yeah. Um so went through that, through mentoring, both me mentoring others, coaching others, me being mentor, coached, etc created a kind of really great environment in there and then the, i suppose there's that element that when you go on that journey zoe left the business um a bit of a tumultuous time after that and it was that bit of okay i've got this got this thing that i love I, what can i do with it and what what more can i do and I, and I realized that what i wanted to do was get some experience of having a more delivery focused role so joined a company called nobia um as a delivery partner there and I had the most amazing 18 months with them uh probably the best company I'll ever work for, Scandinavian, wow. one of the best bosses I've ever had, one of the best teams I've ever worked in, really well-established talent and development team, brilliant influence across the business, regular development going on. I mean, this business is 5,000 people across Europe, so a huge organisation. The kitchen company, so the sales organisation, so that's what we were doing. You know, ultimately, all the development we were doing was about selling kitchen, but yeah. that's fine, because that gives you that mission, doesn't it? That's what That's what you do. Yeah, had an amazing 18 months time there. Um, started to do some really great projects there, things like social learning. Um, did some personal effectiveness stuff there, a lot of coaching. So again, pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And then Misguided came along out of nowhere, wasn't looking. Um, was happy in Nobia, had a development plan, had some progression plans there. And then, yeah, when you get the call to come and work for a business like Misguided, where the message is we've got a blank page for L&D, you'd be the first person to ever head up L&D, this is the business, we're growing, you know, there's this amazing brand. I mean, misguided, we are predominantly a female fashion brand, so naturally, I didn't really know a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at the brand, I mean, we're sat in a room with a wall of pictures of rappers, of yes. hip-hop, okay, not my choice of music. However, that's the kind of brand that we're in. We're in a HQ that's got this really kind of funky social zone, you know, everything that you hear about startups and everything, we live and breathe that. So yeah, took the brave decision to move out of Anobia and come here. Been here six months now, um, loving it. Massive challenge, massive challenge. Average age in the business is 27, 28. Going through some growing pains right now, going through some challenges, but got some amazing senior talent that are championing L&D um, and a great future ahead, really. So the bit for me in terms of the appeal of coming to Misguided is that element of, I've, Corny, I know, but I call it the unicorn of L&D jobs because most L&D jobs, you're either replacing somebody, going into a new role because they need extra pair of hands. There's never this, it's rare that you get this element of this is a blank page. Yeah. And that's what I like is that Miss Gannon have been quite brave in saying we need this. And what a lot of businesses do that when it's a blank page, they reach for somebody internally who might have done some training in their department, but they're not really L&D. So they've been quite brave in bringing a team together to do that and we're very much kind of setting that foundation. And I think one of the key things that I want to appeal for Miss Gannon, one of the things I love about this business is you can be yourself. So if I'm doing what we're doing now in some other organisations and I've had to justify my time and I've had to get it edited, I've had to get it viewed by people, misguided, it's we trust you, bring your whole self to work. There's yeah. no judgmental piece here. So there's that culture that now we can nurture in terms of bringing that into that kind of L&D and learning piece. So, yeah, waffled a bit there. Sorry, it's that no, kind of no, that's almost awesome. life story, really. But, yeah, I think for me it's that bit instead of beginning that unusual approach because I didn't go to university and study people. I didn't, I'm not, I'm not CIPD qualified, not saying I never will be, but got into this from working with people, from earning my stripes, sacking people, hiring people, being punched, being called names, 
being told I'm amazing this, I'm a great leader, that, that real journey, the, the learners that I now get the opportunity to train are going through. So yeah. I've got the grey hairs and the mental and physical scars to bring to the table, if you like, mixing it with the models. So yeah, in terms of the models theories that you would use in L&D. So yeah, quite, quite unusual. And funnily enough, a lot of people I used to work with, when I meet them now and say that head up L&D and I design and deliver training, they're like, are you winding me up to Really? That's what you do now? Yeah? Because there's almost like a yin and yang of what pre-L&D Tim Roberts was like to what, what you know as a Tim yeah. Roberts, if that makes sense. Even a lot of my friends can't believe that I stand up in front of people and I, and I can create an influence across... Well, that's a bit big-headed, isn't it? I try to create an influence across business <laughs> and that I've kind of gone off and engaged with these mentors and built up this kind of network and stuff like that. So, yeah, what you see as an L&D Tim is not probably the Tim that was kind of growing up, if you like. Yeah. yeah. And I get, I guess... Two things which which are interesting. I mean, first first thing here is how good the Drake drawing is on the wall. But <laughs> am I, I allowed to say who? <laughs> yeah, it's just some guy there. <laughs> yeah. And I guess one of the one of the things which stands out as soon as I've walked into the misguided is there's that even though you know right now it's a little bit later on in the evening, probably a lot of people have gone home. They've still got this this vibrant atmosphere here, and it, you you do feel like you're walking into something fresh feels very start-up and very, yeah. oh, this could be a really positive and quite quite fast-paced environment. But yet, even in an empty room, in an empty office, and an empty building, it's still got an air of excitement to it. Yeah. Um, walking in then, one of the things which which um, I seen on the, si- the signs on the walls was um, create, I think it was do epic shit or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. 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 Took a picture of it. And my mother doesn't approve of that, but yeah. And, and a neon and sign that says do epic shit, yeah. And this is it. I think, you know, sometimes some sometimes it won't. It don't, it don't appeal to everyone. But I think for one thing it does stand out is just be yourself here. Yeah. Be you. Be whatever you want. And I guess you touched upon the CIPD thing. And I'm not CIPD qualified. Don't think I ever will be. I mean, never say never and all yeah. that, I guess. But... Um, there's a few, few reasons why I'm not CIPD one I don't like the fact that it's a subscription feature and every year I've got to renew my CIPD yeah. I feel like I'm joining a Weight Watchers because it's that repeat <laughs> prescription you know the reason why Weight Watchers is so good is because I'll lose loads of weight and then I'll get to where I want to go to I'll forget leave Weight Watchers not be any kind of learn anything about you know my food and stuff like that and then in three months time I'll come back because I'm going to harder and I know I used a real bad example there but I just don't like that fact of I've got yeah. to subscribe to keep the stamp up to date and stuff. Um, some great people in CIPD. I went to an event last, well, this week, and yeah, some of the people in there were, were awesome. Yeah, I think Mr. Cheese, literally the big cheese, is very impressive. Yeah, yeah, got a lot of respect for him. Yeah, yeah, and that, and, that, and that's it. I think, you know, some people will take the CIPD route and then not flex from the CIPD route. Yes, I think. It's up to you how you do that. Me personally, I think me not doing the CIPD has benefited me in a way. Yeah. Because I haven't been told, this is how you're meant to do it. I just do yeah, whatever yeah. I want to do. And it's a fail-fast approach. Does it work? Does it not? Does yeah. it Does it not? Um, but you mentioned you had a really good boss in, at, was it Nobia? Nobia? Yeah, at Nobia and Zoe. Um, and he's talking about, so my boss at Nobia was Lisa Gritton, who's head of talent development there. So yeah, yeah. she was fantastic for And me. then there was Zoe at... So what stood out? What what was the traits? What you what you seen them? What what made them stand out? I think if we do, I suppose in chronological work backwards, Lisa was just 
just that embodiment of she championed what you did. She always had my back. And I was new into this organisation, <laughs> probably a bit, I can say this because I know the people who I probably, people probably, I probably pissed people off a little bit. Oh, here he comes with these new ideas and I've been in the business for 10 years. I mean that in a very positive way yeah. because I was the, the new brush, but Lisa sponsored me to do that. She, she was very transparent in terms of saying, Tim, I want you to do this. I want you to challenge my way of thinking and then would encourage me to do that. Very good at um, introducing you to people around the business. Very good at, um, the um, best induction I've ever had in my life at Nobi, the way that they do it there and the way that they explain things. And Lisa always made sure you understood how you contribute to the overall business and would challenge me, would tell me, no, that don't fit with what we do, Tim, or yeah, let's go for it, would um, put me in situations that was probably outside my comfort zone, like getting me to deliver to the team occasionally. But, but it was brilliant. You know, they're the things that you should you should get challenged to do. So, yeah, and I, and I think for me, Lisa embodies that that element of that really kind of caring boss would always have open conversations with me, would always check in after I'd done something. What I always liked about Lisa, actually something I've always learned, is whenever I did something, she'd go and ask other people for feedback okay. and then tell me what they'd said. That's really good. So really transparent, and then would engage with me to say, if Dan has given you this feedback, maybe have a chat with Dan and ask him a few more questions, get a bit more uh, feedback from him. So yeah, amazing time there. Um, really sad to leave Lisa. It's the right decision, but and she understood that. But yeah, amazing time with Lisa, taking a lot of what she does, and I'm very lucky that she's happy to stay in contact with me and give me a little bit of advice along the way, and hoping to meet up with her to pick her brains on our talent management process we're putting in. And then Zoe... Zoe at Eddie Stobart, yeah, God, where, where do you start with Zoe? Um, first thing, she'll kill me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway, she's got a whiteboard in the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> she's that kind of leader. I love it. Everything is thought out, everything is pros and cons. But yeah, just that element of she would be very direct when needed and also unbelievably inspirational. Um one of the great conversations, we laugh about this now when we catch up, but she'd always say, I didn't think I'd work with you, Tim. I didn't think me and you would get on. I thought you were boring. I thought you were process-driven. I didn't think you'd do this. I didn't think you'd do that. So she said when she first got to work with me, she purposely challenged me to do certain things. Okay. And, and lucky for me, I, without knowing, I really wanted to do those things. So she really took me out of my comfort zone, introduced me to this whole world of, I don't have to wait till a course comes along. I can read a book. I can talk to someone. I can engage with mentors sponsored me to write blogs internally articles if you were on linkedin and stuff like that but sponsored me to actually share my thoughts sponsored me to go and mentor people outside of the business you know this bit of go and work with career ready and i was a bit like what i can go and mentor a kid in a school in liverpool in work time she was like yes do it tim so there's that element of really challenging you but also she had that element that if i needed to i mean people are saying my door's always open and then you try and get in and it's locked Zoe's literally, her door was always open. You could ring her at night, have a sat, go and have breakfast with her on a Saturday, stay there till seven o'clock at night, putting the world to rights, but also open up and saying, this person's really difficult. I want to do this. What do you think? Would always give you that time. And just that element of fun to be, you never knew what she was going to do. <laughs> you know, one day it would be, right, we need to write some serious policies here. And the next day it'd be, I want a rocket and I want it tomorrow. <laughs> be like, oh my God. <laughs> But it was that element of she just would make you think. And, and I think that's the lasting um, element with Zoe. And yeah, I mean, we're still great friends today. Now, um, we've always kind of joked that we want to kind of take over the world together in the future. So yeah, just, but I think it's that bit of 
I know I'm very lucky to have worked with people like Zoe, going back to Martin, who's my kind of leadership mentor. He's been a mentor for me for a number of years now. I know I'm very lucky. I've had a lot of uh, unsavory and <laughs> not great bosses along the way, but I know I'm very lucky that I've had those amazing people. And I think that's the bit that I always take from them in terms of within L&D is to share those kind of stories and encourage people to find that person and actually look at the person you're working with. And even if you support a different football team or your values don't directly align, look at what they do and look at what you admire them for. Because when you move into your next position, that's what you'll take. You will go and become that next position and you will think back, this is what Rob used to do. This is what Zoe used to say to me. This is how Debbie used to talk to people. So we become this mould of all these people that we work with. A lot of people deny it and they'll, yeah. no, I'm all, it's all Tim and it's all this. Yeah. Heck. It pains me to say it because it was Pep Guardiola before he managed City. <laughs> uh, sorry, we're going off into a completely different <laughs> podcast there. But one of my favourite quotes is from him in a book that he did about the time by Munich and he said, ideas are there to be shared and I've stolen as many as I possibly can and that's I think our natural identity isn't it there's these different makeup of people within me so I would share the kind of things that you say to me the kind of things that my ex-bosses have done what my dad's told me or what you know my friends my wife I was talking to somebody about my brother-in-law the other day it's all that makeup and that that's the thing I was encouraging L&D is share what that is share how you're broken down and actually tell them who it is give them the credit if he's sharing you as the positive example, tell him it's Bob or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's that kind of whole makeup piece, really. Because I think for me, just having been very lucky to have those bosses that I've had in the past, um, and the mentors I've got now from an L and D point of view, use them. Again, a cliche, but life's about people. And one of the quotes I have created, I, I will take credit for this one. But one of the quotes we put in our inspired performance is this element of you can be as intelligent, good-looking, as cool as you want. If you can't deal with people, you're knackered. Yeah. I love that. I love it. I think, you know, you talk about the we share and we build, and fundamentally that's how we do it. I mean, I was reading a book recently, Anti-Fragile, the guy who wrote Black Swan, and he said, you know, fundamentally that's how everyone says, okay, fragile, what's the opposite to fragile? Well, people say robust, and it's like, actually, no, it's anti-fragile. Robust can deal with it. Yeah. Right? Anti-fragile will get shocked and then grow from it yes and fundamentally that's what cells do yes that's how we pass on our dna cells you know and that's how we've got evolution and i think i mean we're going way off tangent here but that's that's there's been lots of ideas which i've seen in the past i've gone i really like that idea but i think i can do something a touch better with it yes thanks bob yes. for that idea and always give credit to people's work always 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 it's a massive book there give them an acknowledgement and then do something different with it yeah. and then six months time somebody else is going to do the exact same with your idea and it is yeah. what it is and it, it, it something that took me when I did my coach qualification again I was very lucky to work with a lady called Nova Ferguson who's Nova if you're listening you know you're amazing but she described that what we're talking about there of seeing something and taking it to mean something different or taking that idea and making it meaningful for you and other people as this kind of practical strategist so I can read a book and then I can articulate in a way that makes sense to other people and I can use it as part of my identity, but I'm able to look at that and then use it in a different kind of way. So yeah, and it, it's funny because going back to what you said about the vibe around misguiding this piece of bringing our whole selves to work, I love it when you work in an organisation and they tell you that that's what they want you to do, but then on the back of it they also go, however, you must adhere to the dress code. You must not uh, show tattoos on your arm. Yeah. You you must not swear. You must not do this. You must not do that. 
okay, so do you want me to be myself or what? Because yeah. you're telling me that you don't. And then we kind of, we create this culture of we've got this idea, but really you just need to tell the line. And then that creates this culture of when somebody comes with an idea, all I want to share what Zoe was amazing at or what Nova was amazing at or whatever, it gets shut down because yeah. we'll know in here you just told a corporate line and you just do what we do. But we'll put a post on wall that says bring your old selves to work and we'll we'll get L and D to do something about yeah. it. Yeah, it's that ridiculous thing that on one page bring yourself to work and is our values. But when you turn over it now tells you what the Dress code is. Yeah, certain conditions have that value for the business. <laughs> Brilliant way of putting it. Yeah. Be your old self, but you've got to sign a contract that tells yeah. you how to do it. <laughs> in blood. You've got to sign it in blood. Yeah. It's a, it's a great challenge. I think, you know, we we, hit, we see this a lot on LinkedIn and um, in the group. It happens. You know, we talk about our values and the business values. And actually, there's an argument saying, well, do we need to have our business values? You know, fundamentally, we've got a lot of people who are completely different and they have their own unique values. Mm. Why do we have to say, be yourself, but you've got to align to our values? Yeah. Actually, no, it's a bit of our guidelines. The reason why you're here is because you tend to fit within them anyway, but you've got a bit of something else about yeah. you. Yeah, and it's that, I mean, there's a lot of stuff now about disruptive HR and rule breakers and all that kind of stuff. And great, I mean, to me, that's just a kind of label. But this this is probably this bit where I go on about rock and roll, L&D. And then what I mean by that, I mean, I am obsessed with rock and roll music anyway. But what I mean by that is the essence of rock and roll is somebody who does something for the first time. They go out dressed how they want with an attitude of don't care. And they're, and they're amazingly talented and I'm going to break the rules and I'm going to set this trend and I'm going to influence millions of people and I'm going to have an impact on the world for two or three years consistently and then I've got a legacy. Yeah. And that's that bit for me of this L&D with this people bit, that the way I talk about it in terms of rock and roll, because we should be encouraging that. You know, if we've got a learner who wants to say, well, actually, I've looked at, off the top of my head, situational leadership, but this is what it means to me and actually I can use that in a different way. Fantastic. As long as you're not telling me you're going to do something inappropriate and start bashing people over the head with things, go away and have a go. Because yeah. if you can do something different with that, yeah, I will sponsor you till the, till the cows come home. So yeah, it's that element, like say, of in organisations, it is that element of if you want people to be themselves, just let them be themselves. If you trust people, nine, nine times out of ten, they'll do the right thing. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I think... It's just, it's such a shame that some of these people who are the disruptors, and I know it's a word which is overused at the moment, and use it, take it for whatever you want to take it as, but these people, they have to go against the tide mm. constantly to get, a lot of the time it's to get their ideas out there, because there's such an overload of old ideas, and oh, I'm writing a book, so my, my opinion is a lot more better than yours, like, no, you're just writing a book and you're a bit of a bigger name. Yeah. And... I see that a lot at the conventions and stuff, the talks, yeah. it's you know, it's the same names up there who's who's doing a talk and blow me down with a feather. They've got a book what's being released soon as well. I'm like, you're talking about let's let's just put another category in there, millennials, but there's not a single millennial on the board, <laughs> you know, who's yeah. sharing their opinions, which is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Because they're young and they should do what they're told. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've got no good ideas and you know Yeah. But these are the people who are using the next lot of technology. Yeah. These are the people who tend to be a lot more I don't know this it's probably the wrong way to say, but they tend to be a lot more in touch with their demographic people, you know. You're twenty five year olds, yeah. you tend to be a lot more in touch with twenty five year olds. Yes. Um, okay, so you mentioned a book. You mentioned the book which changed your life, which was um, Coffee. Yeah. Seven habits, yeah. It's a, again maybe a bit of a cliche, but yeah, it did it change my life. Okay, so 
I guess let's think how I can word this. For now, excluding that book, what's the one book you would give to free people as a gift? Oh, wow. Uh, I'm instantly fighting the urge to say Absolute Beginners by Martin McInnes because it's the ultimate mod Bible, the fictional story from the 60s. If you're not a mod, then you're not going to like that. So, <laughs> um, Do you know what? Right, let's choose one here. Oh, this is embarrassing because I can remember the title of one and the author of the other. <laughs> uh, I would go with... Um, Victor Frankl, and I'm sorry, I cannot... Search for meaning? Yes. Man, search for meaning. So, Victor Frankl is the Holocaust survivor. Um, I'll be honest, a lot of the... Again, my memory's dreadful, but a lot of the what I would class as a psychology element of it, what the book goes into, didn't massively hook me in. The reason I would say I would give that to three people is because, you know, it's this thing, isn't it, that... First world problems, coffee machine don't work, my car's broke down. Actually look at what happened for real and understand that human story and understand what's actually happened. Because the message that comes out of that is this, you know, there's this quote, isn't it, from him that give me a why and I will give you any how or I can live with any how. Yeah. And it's that, well, it's just amazing anyway, because I think those kind of stories, you know, there's another book I was thinking of, which is called This Way to the Gas, ladies and gentlemen, which is by a Hungarian uh, author. And I'm really sorry, I can't remember his name. But it's just, just this, it's real life and it? it's this real story, because I think a lot of books are this is my success story this is how I made a million quid this is how I got drunk this is how I threw a telly out the window yeah they're great stories but actually you know is, is, is it is it that impressive um, so yeah it, it's that story of that this is real life this affected millions of people um, and, and this element that he's come through that with this mindset and that's the bit that talks to me because it is this mindset. Because the only thing that we 100% control is what's in here. Um, I should say for the listeners, I'm tapping my head. Um, is this kind of our thoughts are the only thing that we 100% control us. So it's this, again, the most intelligent piece of, it's not what, what gets done or what gets said to you. It's the reaction that's important. So yeah, that, that'd be it. It'd be Victor Frankl's book, The Search for Meaning, because I just think it's, maybe it's a bit deep, but there's different stories in there. It's not a diary of what happened to him or woe is me, it's, it's all different stories of real lives of that part of human life that should never ever be repeated and, and I think again maybe I'm getting old but I personally don't think in education in this country we do enough to educate people about the Second World War No, um, I, I think every single person on this earth has a relative alive or dead that was involved in that one way or the other through fighting, through rationing, through whatever so yeah, for me, it's, it's the thing, it's the, if any mystery that's had the biggest impact on the world, and I think something like Victor Frankl allows you to see what that actually did to people and what it actually means today. So, sorry again, I've waffled, but yeah, it would no. be uh, Victor Frankl. It's a great book, it's a great book, and I think you can read that book two or three different times and take yeah. something unique from it each time. Um, interesting fact, so the amenity to him um, worked they have a close tie with Red Bull. Uh, so a lot of the Red Bull's values and kind of, well, values and behaviours, I say, but the values in their philosopher comes direct from that person in that book. Wow, did mm. not know that. I only found this out a couple of months ago because I had a call with somebody and it made, who worked for Red Bull 
and they told me kind of that's how they they do big yeah. brash but fundamentally a lot of the morals and values is from that book and, and Victor yeah. that's proper organisational values not trust integrity stuck yeah. on a wall yeah so <laughs> I, I've got to be honest when they told me about Red Bull I was like I love to work there and it was interesting we're going up again but Red Bull digital they don't really invest in it they invest more in the people which I think was like yep Good shout, good shout. Well, so, yeah, my, my, I mean, I love digital. However, anything digital, you're always going to need a human being either to invent it, to maintain it when it breaks, or to enter the data that it needs to program itself or do anything. So, yeah, invest in the people and they'll get you the digital solution. They was telling me about um, the day one induction and how they fly people out in a helicopter <laughs> to their, I can't, can't remember where it was now, and fly out to helicopter and say it's like going into a building's lair. It's like this big glass, like, like a big mountain on, on it. Yeah, it's, it sounds fantastic. Because are they German or Austrian? Is it Austrian? They're European, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. They, then I can't remember where they said now, but it was a, it was a good while back. But really interesting, really yeah. interesting. Make a note for me onboarding projects. Yes. Get helicopter off knitting, land on HQ roof. Exactly. Get a speedboat to come in through the sulfur keys. <laughs> So, um, just a quick five, few fire round questions. Eight to 20 rule. So, typically, 20% of my contacts in my phone book, I dial 80% of the time. The other 80% I don't touch. <laughs> what would be your 80 to 20 rule? What's the one thing, the one small thing you do that has a big impact? It can be professional, it can be personal, it could be anything. Wow. I've picked some good questions for you. You have. You have. Uh, do you know? Do you know what? This might be a bit brave of me to say this. I, I would, and and God, people might judge me on this, but I would probably say being a father, because I work full time, and I like to think I work damn hard, and I think about. I don't say work on, but I think about my job. Look, I've got an amazing wife who supports this, but of the time that I'm awake every single week, apart from holidays. Probably 20% of my time is spent with my kids. Okay. I mean, it's life, isn't it? It's just, yeah. it, it is what it is. Uh, I've not won the lottery, so I can't stay at home. Um, but I'm very aware of that. A lot of this comes from Damien Hughes, Liquid Thinker, what he talks about, about using the... This is what made me think of it, because he uses about this limited time that you have with your family. So I'd like to think that within that 20%, I use that for real family father to, I mean we all get stressed and have bad days and all that kind of stuff but it's that element of what's really important to me is not forcing my kids into kind of any kind of education sport interest whatever but helping them to become values driven individuals to have a bloody good time to have a laugh to listen to good music to value your friends to recognize what's important I mean god again cliche but good manners all that kind of stuff because for me, that what I'm hoping is that 20% is then the the rest of the 80% is 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 within their minds and building their character, encouraging them to be their own person. <laughs> God, they're only five and eight. And I'm already trying to get them into a growth <laughs> mindset because the 20% is if they do something good at school. I recognise you must have worked really hard to do that, Thebes. You must have worked really hard to do that, Lucy. Not you're amazing. What a brilliant talent. Yeah. Inside, that's what I feel. So yeah, I think that's probably the bit. I mean, maybe I'm going a bit deep, but that's probably the bit for me is the. I'd like to think the 20% of my time that I get with my children, then 
it influences them in hopefully 80% of their thinking. I don't want them to be me. Um, I don't want them to be robots and just be carbon copies. However, what you see now is this world of an eight-year-old. I mean, my eight-year-old's getting introduced to mindfulness at school. Which, yeah, I'm a mindfulness practitioner. Love it. But what the hell is that going to do to her when she joins a workforce in 10 years that haven't got a clue what mindfulness is? Yeah. I mean, send her into some of the organisations that will rightly still exist at that time. So it's about that 20% is influencing them to, to think bigger, to, to understand this link between people and, and kind of see the world for what it is in terms of good people and how they can kind of become that, that kind of good adult. Because I think through that, they don't need to have the world's best education to be that. They, they just need to see it. And hopefully some of the things I say gets them round to that way of thinking so yeah so i've never even thought of that before so thank you that's a really thought-provoking question it's okay cool glad i can help so <laughs> so a lot of the things i think some of our biggest and most positive um moments in our life usually stem from a negative first and foremost so i guess what's the one thing which you has happened to you um which in the moment you went this is bad i didn't get this job and you know this happened and then maybe the domino effect a month later, two months later, has been an absolute massive positive. What, is there any moments which stand out? Uh, Again, you know, this can be personal, it can be professional, it can be whatever. Yeah, do you know, God, I'm going quite deep again here, but um, when you were saying that, the thing that came into my mind instantly was, I was bullied at primary school, and a lot of people say this, I'm not saying woe is me, but I have a direct example, so uh, my ears are pinned back, I had an operation on my 10th birthday because I was Prince Charles, I was the FA Cup, I was everybody's easy target, I always had friends and stuff like that, and I always played football, so I was always kind of alright, if you know what I mean, um, but yeah, that 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 growing up piece of being the younger brother with quite a dominating older sister. <laughs> she won't mind, kid won't mind me saying that. And possibly always being in her shadow and being this element of no matter if we're playing football or we're playing a game, it, kids are kids. You know, I see it with my kids. If something happens, it's the end of the world and you're horrible and you're mean. But what happened to me was because I had the ears and it was the easy target, it would always, or it certainly felt like what I can remember would come to me. And then through having my ears pinned back, it stopped. So talk about people being, uh, I can't think of the right word really, but being vain in terms of other people looking at me in that way, in terms of being quite fickle, in terms of just having something to poke fun at and doing it. And then, yeah, ever since then, though, that then had an impact on me through high school and my kind of uh, teens, early, well, probably even right through my 20s, really, because I can recognise now, and again, through doing things like psychometric testing and stuff in my L&D world, I recognise a big thing for me, my basic fear is rejection. So that, for me, was a lot of time worrying about what people thought of me, possibly doing stupid things to try and impress people. Not like trying to be funny and stuff like that, but yeah. maybe spending too much money, maybe being a different person for a few years and not really being me, because I was influenced by a peer group. Um, so yeah, and I think that the change would probably be becoming a father and then getting into this L&D world where, where job, I work, like I said to before, off air, L&D for me is the best job in the world. Apart, and I can see Old Trafford from where I sat, funnily enough, which is nice for me. But because I can't, I'm never going to play for Man United. Next best, it is the best job in the world. 
And I think going on that journey that I've now gone on in the last five or eight years, whatever you want to call it, in terms of seeing something more, I finally now realise, who cares what people think? If I act with the values that I believe in, and I am me, um, everybody's going to think something of me. Everybody's, you're going to think something of me. I'm going to think something of you. I, I, I can't really change that other than just being myself and trying to and being positive, trying to be positive, um, trying to possibly make them think about things. And what's funny is again going quite deep, but. I think now you've asked that question, I can see that that change in me, what that's meant is over the last few years in particular, my real friends are very prominent in my life. I've got, I'm very lucky I've got a big friend network, but the people who accept me for what I am, that I'm obsessed with music and vinyl records and being a mod and Paul Weller and United and all that kind of stuff, and I, um, they just accept that. And, and they have a laugh with me and they'll ring me up and they'll text me and they'll ask we'll go for a pint, we'll go on, whatever. So it's actually probably seeing that finally getting over that bit of, who cares what somebody thinks, actually I'm just going to be me, forget it, has then probably got that element of I've got the people around me that I genuinely really care about and yeah. accept me for what I am and don't judge me because I won't do certain things or I couldn't really give a crap about Games of Thrones or whatever. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it's probably that. It is that bit of that being bullied at a young age. And look, there was a reason for it, and I always, I always had friends around it. But because there's a distinct change that my ears were then pinned, not not literally pinned to me head. Clearly, there was a proper surgical operation done. <laughs> not got Frankenstein bolts in outside of my head. Um, there's that change, and I think going back, I always had that fear of if I, if I don't fit in, if I don't say yes, if I don't go along with what this person's saying, I, I'll get rejected and I'll go back to being bullied and go back to crying. Yeah. I'm a 39 year old man, but that, that's what it is going home as a kid crying and being upset because you're worried about not being accepted. It is. I don't want really to get shades long out and be psychoanalyzed. That's life, isn't it? Yeah. We all go back to things. So, yeah, it'd probably be that. And unfortunately for me, it probably took me at least 20 years to. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess it's, it's kind of, it's, it's going back to that whole thing of being loved for who you are, not for someone who, who you're not. And I guess it's a great, it's a great shine. You know what? Sometimes I can struggle with that a little bit, what to always be liked. And then it's only, well, when you look at my life, what, I'm 34. It's only recently that I've kind of... Don't rub it in, darling. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm 34. So it's kind of that point where I'm like, you know what? You either like me or you don't like me. And it, it's one of them things. You probably don't like me because I'm a little bit opinionated. Or you probably like me because sometimes I'll turn around and say, I think you might have been wrong there, but hey-ho, it is what it is. So, what are the free resources you use right now for your development? Uh, so I said that, you know, it could be anything. It could be LinkedIn, it could be a person, it could be whatever. Yeah, mentors are massive for me, whether that is meeting with them regularly having a you know a clear plan to follow in terms of that mentoring or just people that i can ping a text to you for example or people who've been that direct mentor for me that i can email and they'll either just ring me and cheer me up or i can literally say i've got some strategic leadership development coming up what are the things you suggest i should read so yeah definitely mentoring reading um my wife's forever saying, well, you put that effing book down. <laughs> I've always got some kind of book on the go. Like, I was in Leeds last week, so I'd like, over the course of two days, I had four hours on a train. That's heaven to me, because I can just read 
yeah. nothing you can read a book in two days. So definitely reading. And then th there's probably a mixture really. There's I was gonna say Google slash YouTube, um, but do you know what? I'd probably say more than that is other people just just en engaging with them, getting energy off people, nicking their ideas. Uh, maybe that practical strategist piece. So yeah, it would be the mentoring, which is that obvious, I've got a relationship with somebody, I can ask them some advice. The reading piece, and then just that general engagement with people. So just having a general conversation. For example, um, a great resource recently for me was a chap by the name of David Pollitt who works in our IT team and I was having a conversation about some of the things we're going through in the business and he said, and this, the reason I'm using this example because it's a quote I've now regurgitated, always giving David the credit and he said, look Tim, we're going through some challenging times as a business, he said, but I've been here for two and a half years and I've been happy to sit here when it's been going good and take the bonuses, now I need to stand up be accountable and lead my team out of this difficult time. And it's just things like that, and I use that as an example as a resource, because now I've got that diamond of a quote, I can go away and work with that in my mind, I can share it with other people, I can look at the strategic leadership piece that I can now use that in some, whether it's on a poster or whether it's in an activity, I can use that in that shape, in any shape or form. Because what, what, what that did with me having a conversation with Dave was it's now recovery plan. That's what, it, that's what it instantly said to me, recovery plan Tim. We're going to go through this as a business, what's the recovery plan? So yeah, it's probably just that general engagement with people. And sometimes it's just about having a laugh with people. Yeah. Um, why not? No, nobody doesn't enjoy having a laugh. So yeah, even if it's just going and seeing uh, somebody who makes me laugh or texting me mate or whatever. So I'd, I'd probably say it's just that general interaction with people. Cool. Okay, so obviously... Anyone who's listening to this knows right now, mentoring, coaching is massive to you. And I've got three big questions and I've got some power questions. Some okay. power questions. So I guess let's get the big ones out of the way. So first one, not mentoring, coaching. But I guess, why is it you think people don't learn? Um, they can't be asked. They don't see the value of it. We rely too much on telling people what to do. Uh, I use the raw we, not me. Uh, I have ask, don't tell, tattooed on my forehead. And I think too often we jump to telling them, this is what I've done, that's what you should do. And then it makes it easy for them to just go away. And, and I do think it's a bit of modern life is rubbish and all that kind of stuff, but there's that many things going on. They've got WhatsApp, they've got Facebook, they've got Twitter, they've got 24 hour news stations etc etc I can just bury my head in it I, I said something the other day actually the, the smartphones are, are amazing but they're also a bit of a curse because it's created this thing now that nobody just stands there and thinks nobody just stands there and looks at something nobody stands there and people's watch because now there's this thing of if I'm on my own I'm going to look at my phone because that's what everybody else does and I'm a weirdo if I don't do it yeah. whereas I'm a bit like balls to that I'm looking at United I'm going to look at you I'm going to watch this person because that's life that is happening right in front of you. And I, and, but it's that piece of, I'm supposed to look at my phone or my tablet and I'm supposed to interact on social media. And I think it, this information is great, but it, it, it drives too much. Should I do something with that? Should I do something with that? Mm -hmm. Should I do? So yeah, there's that. My first answer is the thing that I would say strongly enough. We, we, as a race, we can't be asked because where's the value in it? 
L&D, we spend our lives connecting that value. I genuinely believe I've got the opportunities to do something really meaningful of that and misguided. But in a lot of organisations, yeah, how was your course? Was the cheeseburger? He's all right. Yeah, let's talk about how much you're going to sell today. Let's talk about getting rid of that person. Let's talk about this. So there's that cultural piece which creates that. I, I can't be asked because what's the point? Again, if a professional service, if I have to um, qualify to be a bricklayer, well, I'm going to learn how to be a bricklayer. If, if I have to qualify to be a solicitor, I'll qualify to be a solicitor, but I don't have to be qualified to be a leader. I don't have to qualify to be a good person to influence. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go on that course, but I'll just go back to work and just do what I've always done. So yeah, it's that bit of, there's a culture, I think, of they can't be asked because they don't really see the value. It's the bit whether they, whether the, somebody has to naturally enjoy learning new things for me, that bit of, I've read a book and I can do something with it. I can share this experience with you. I can talk about Victor Frankl. It's just whether they, they really care about that or they're just more asked, go to work, go out. And, and look, it's people's choices. Not for one minute saying everybody should do what you and I do and record a podcast about L&D. But that, that for me is that I, I can't be asked because I'll go back to my desk and my boss will ask me about it. Okay. So I guess, yeah, I think this is one of the reasons why I like to do a podcast as well because, you know, we do spend a lot of our time heading phones and, you know, we talk about social media being antisocial and stuff like that. But I feel like, you know, if it wasn't a phone, it would, it would have been a newspaper years ago on the yeah, books. Yeah, it would yeah. have been people had done a newspaper, but now it's a phone. But I just think there's an art of a conversation which is being missed now. And I yeah. think if I look at, say, my nieces and my nephews and some younger people, and even, even to a point now, some people who are our age and on upwards, the conversation started to die down. And like now, what, we're in, we're 52 minutes in. Not one of us has looked at our phone yet. How how often do you get that really? How often yeah. do you get to just in a conversation? Unless you're out with a pub with your mates and yeah. or you're at home with your, you know, your yeah, partner. Yeah, yeah, nearest and dearest, whatever it is, yeah. But realistically, the art conversation is slow but surely dying. Yeah. And you have to make, I think, people have to make this conscious effort of conversation. Yeah, I mean, airplane mode is the best thing ever invented, if you ask me. You can pretend you go on a holiday. Um, but it just cuts those notifications off. I mean, I, I'm, I can see it in my group of friends. There are friends of mine, and I would put me in this category, that when we're together, the phones are in our arse pockets, and I might look at it when you get the book, I might look at it to tell you what bet I've got on or whatever. Yeah. And then there's another group of friends that at the first opportunity, they're, they're sat in company watching a video, they're sat in company reading a WhatsApp message going on Facebook. Now, actually, mates, what I'll just say, get off your phone, you boring whatever. Or I'll just think, well, all right, whatever, you, you, you're missing out, not me. But you can see the difference in people. Yeah, you can see there's a mate of mine who's an, an electrician who works on building sites, so not, not, not an environment you would naturally consider to be this um, kind of you know philanthropic kind of place and these people where there's the care about influence of people. But he is a real people person. He tells me to listen to podcasts. He'll be listening to this, I'm sure, because he's already asked me when it's coming out. And he's one of those that when I'm with him, phones are, phones are whatever, mate. I, I'm having, we're having a conversation, we're going to put the world's right, so we're going to talk. But you're right, that conversation, I saw it when I did my Myers-Briggs course. I mean, I've got some, but I hope I've got friends for life in that Myers-Briggs course because I just had such a great laugh with him. And the reminding memory of me might be the conversation about poo in a shoe, but um, I hope they do remember for that. <laughs> but that, you could see in there that when the learning was getting a little bit boring sorry OPP um, or just that bit of god this is hard work because it's psychology it's, you know it yeah. is hard it's not leadership they, they would be 
looking at the phones, yeah. orders. The minute you get the break, I'll look at my phone. Whereas I'm a bit like, I'll look at my phone later. I'll have, I'll make sure I look at it on break in case my wife's messaged me and said, emergency. But me answering an email ain't going to change the world. I don't fly planes. I work in L&D. Yeah. <laughs> and so for me, it's about seeking people out there to have a conversation with, even if it's somebody who works in a bloody hotel. <laughs> but yeah, I always say it's people in it. That's what makes the world go around. And you can only get that this is this thing that, that Ali, who's my ex-people director at Miss Gary, used to say, it's that fizz in the belly. You can only get that from people. Whether it's the person who you buy your fags off or behind the bar or in an hotel or in a shop or in a record, whatever, you have a laugh and, you know, it's that stranger interaction where you have a laugh at somebody else doing yeah. something. Um, or your friend, you can't get that feeling from social media. Social media can make you cry, it can have a heartwarming story, but that real interaction... You can only get it from people. But yeah, you're right, it is. I mean, look, I'm on social media. I get a lot of value out of it. But uh, yeah, I am. I feel I'm seeing that there is that piece of the yeah, outer conversations going. It's creating this world of where I've got to look like what a Snapchat. Clearly, I'm not on Snapchat, by the way. Um, what a Snapchat filter or Instagram filter makes yeah. you look like. Oh, yeah. God. I don't, somebody took a picture of me when I started. Did you want to put a filter on it? I was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asked. I've got grey hair. I've got a, I've got a double chin. So what? I, who cares? Race it. Well, if you want to put a rabbit's nose on my face, whatever. But yeah, it's that. It is that constant thing of I've got to look good. I've got to do this. I mean, yeah, great. We, we should all pride in our parents or whatever. But yeah, it is creating that bit. of I stand next to someone at the bus stop, but I look at my phone instead of maybe just going, "How are you doing?" You know, it's that. It, I don't know. For me, yeah, just have a laugh. Get, get to know people. It's interesting. Someone sent me a picture a couple of days ago, and it was said, "Never has there been a time, an era, where people have took so many pictures of achieving nothing." I'm like, oh, look at the meal I've made. Yeah, yeah. Here's a picture of my mushy peas. Great. Yeah. So I guess yeah. we. Um, so fascinating. But talk to me about coaching, mentoring, because I know this is massively important to you, and it's something you kind of live and breathe. We've had conversations in the past, mainly. You've talked to me about it because I'm kind of reaching out to you going, what do you think to this? But coaching, what's, your, what's been your experience? Um, well, not as a coach, but being coached. Um, being coached, I probably had the same experience that a lot of people have had that I got told I was being coached by a boss at a young age and I wasn't. I was just being told what to do. But hey, come in my office and I'll coach you. Yeah, right. My experience of being coached is the bit of what's helped me to probably grow up a little bit. My wife might say I've noticed I've never grown up. Um to see more about how you can have an influence on people, really kind of opening your mind to this, I don't have to do a job that I don't like and all that kind of stuff. The bit with coaching for me that I I feel people don't naturally see in it is we all like an opportunity to talk about ourselves. We all like a bit of me time. That's exactly what coaching is. Coaching done right, if I'm the coach, is me asking you open, effective, challenging questions and you talking through your own solutions and then coming up with the action that you're going to take to go away and do it. And that's that, that's that bit of empowerment through coaching because I can't empower you. I can act in a way that creates an environment for empowerment and then you choose empowerment and you go off and do that. 
And that's that bit of that real accomplishment that you look back and say, I did that through my own actions. I got off my ass. I stepped outside my comfort zone. I asked that question. I put myself forward. I had a go at something. And that's the bit that coaching has done for me because when I've been coached, that's what it's made me do. So there's two brilliant coaches for me, Rob Johnson, a mentor, but he coaches. And he, I mean, we're really good mates, both big United fans, but he's a training consultant, XMD of a training organisation. But he will always coach me because it's always this piece of what's next, Tim. And he'll let me vent and he'll go, what are you going to do about it? Okay, what can you influence? That's the coaching bit. He's got to let me vent and moan about things and all this, that and the other. But what he's doing is listening. If we're face-to-face -face watching the body language, delivering the empathy, but then he's going to ask me that question that makes me think. Because there's all this stuff going on, but I can decide what I do. Then the other piece was Nova Ferguson, who we talked about earlier. I was very lucky because in my coaching qualification, I um, it basically ended up me and her because two people dropped off the programme. <laughs> Brilliant, as it turned out. But Nova remains my kind of unofficial coaching supervisor. Flag. But what Nova did was was create this coach mindset where when I'm now in a situation, in being a leadership meeting, being a course, being a difficult conversation, whatever it might be, my mind now goes to what's the open question, Tim? What body language are you picking up on? What are you doing to show empathy to this person? What are you doing to challenge this person? So you can throw anything you want at me, but in that meeting, I'm going to go, okay, what are we going to do about it? What's the opportunity here? What do we need to do? So it's creating that kind of coach mindset because Winston Churchill, oh God, I throw a lot of quotes out. Sorry, I really sound like a bloody quote toilet paper <laughs> maybe that's my future Tim Roberts quote toilet paper but one of his favourite quotes well one of my favourite quotes of his was this thing that you have two choices in life have a go or don't have a go and he, the, the finishing bit of that is you'll always learn much more from having a go and it's that bit of that you can live your life and just let people do things to you and let the boss tell you exactly what to do let, him, let that boss tell you that your ideas are shit that this is good but really they're just telling you to do what they do or you can come up with your own solutions and then you can challenge things and you can have a go at things and you'll always get much more satisfaction from that. There has to be like delayed gratification, I think, a little bit. You have to wait a little bit to see that. Mm. But that's that coach mindset for me is that I'm always going to now look for what do we do about this? Right, okay, what do we do? Whereas in the past, I probably would have just moaned, maybe gone quiet, laughed at the right time, said yes sir, no sir, three bags full sir, then gone home and got really stressed about it because I should have said this and why didn't I do that and he's a knobhead and he's this and he's that. But really the only person who was annoyed was me because I wasn't self-coaching and I wasn't challenging myself to say, yeah, this is a problem and this person is a pain, but what are you going to do about it, Tim? So it, it's that, it is the two bits for me, it's that constant open questions, all those coaching skills, the constant kind of challenge of that forward thinking and then the mindset of all right th this is a challenge or an opportunity what are we asked, what are we going to do about it because if i just sit back somebody else will decide what happens to me and it's my life yeah. so when i get to that retirement party in the south of france <laughs> <laughs> if i keep saying it it will happen, it will happen. <laughs> i don't want to look back and go god if i had just done that or if i had not listened to that boss and i don't mean that from a financial point of view i just mean from Again, a cliche, you get one life and all that. Don't don't retire and go, God, I wish I'd done that differently. Yeah. I mean, I no regrets and all that. But coaching is the, that mindset is the piece to give yourself the best opportunities to do that. Like, I'm not going to change the world. I can change my world. I'm never going to earn a billion pounds. I'm not really bothered about doing that. 
but it's that piece of you want to look back and say, okay, yeah, I tried, I worked hard, I challenged myself, I did things differently, and I never felt found myself in a situation of, God, I hate my job, but I did it for twenty years. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's those two elements. So okay, so talk about quotes. If you had a big billboard outside Manchester United ground, and you could have on this billboard, you could choose how all these thousands of people see this statement. What would you put on this billboard? What would your message be? It could be a quote, it could be a message, it could be whatever you want. It's gonna. It's gonna idea is that you see this as a butterfly effect. What would your message be? Oh God, I should have brought my quote book with me. <laughs> I've got a little Union Jack book where I write things in. Um, I won't get the wording of this exactly right. However, one of the things that one day I'm going to have on a wall somewhere. Do you know what the first thing that came to mind was Peter Hook of New Order. I read his book about the Hacienda and a quote of his that he said, uh, no one ever changed the world by being normal. So I love that. But yeah, there's this bit, um, I read a book uh, by Paul Weller when he was touring in the 90s and he was heavy drinking all that sort of stuff then. And he, it, there's like a, a kind of like a paragraph and the, the, ju- the, the kind of um, gist of it is he says that people can knock you, people can say what they want about you, but actually, and I'm quoting it as to what he said, he he looks at it as, well, actually, I can sing, I can play guitar, I can write songs. And then the end piece is this bit of, again, this kind of have a go, because you might fail or you might sail. And it is this piece of, no matter what somebody says to you, um, I mean he's in the public eye so you know it's a bit different for the, yeah. the man in the street but to me if you bring that down to the workplace your boss can tell you whatever they want they can refuse to give you a pay rise they can block you for promotion but if you believe in yourself and, and you tr- truly know what your talent is you, you know you, you can't just say I'm good at this truly understand that and kind of look for this personal mastery then have a go and actually if you fail so what? Because you might sail and you might do something brilliant. So yeah, it'd be words to that effect or that element of if you've got talent and you believe it and you know what it is, it doesn't matter what anybody else tells you, keep going, keep having a go. And uh, for all the failures you'll have, one point, you'll sail. Cool. Okay, yeah, I like that. I'm a bit like obsessed it. with Paul Weller. So. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so if, these are kind of a quick fire round question. So who are the three people right now in learning development who you're interested in oh and maybe maybe it's new up and comers maybe it's people who have been here forever maybe it's people in the middle it can be any spectrum um okay i'm not just doing this because you and i know her lauren hamilton that girl has just amazed me um i've asked her for some advice not given a lot of information and she's just come back and challenged my thinking and has done some amazing uh, small things sorry Lauren but but, but amazing things because she's amazed me because she's what I've not even met her but I've had a call with her I've had some messaging but for me Lauren is this bit of um not not new not new learner or anything but this you know she would be a millennial I guess or even generation Z or X or whatever but yeah just this piece of she's got this she's she shows how passionate she is, she shows this desire, and just by me asking a couple of questions, 
she's gone off and done something that is really beneficial to me in terms of helping me research on something in particular. Buttons also challenge my thinking. So yeah, there's definitely Lauren. I mean, and look, I'm using Lauren. She's a local contact for us. She's part of our network. Yeah. But you know, hey, it, um, it's important. Um, somebody who I read a book of, I've had a little bit of dialogue on Twitter, was Stella Collins. She did the neuroscience for L&D. The reason I'd say Stella Collins, there's loads of books on, L- on NLP loads of stuff God, you know you could paint an house in it what I loved about Stella is that she does this piece of this is the NLP theory and this is the magic this is this is how you can use it in real life and I've actually used some of her techniques and some of the suggestions that people have actually given me real feedback on in training rooms in terms of using the whole NLP in terms of um, you know, bringing the environment to life, using the environment. So yeah, definitely say Stella Collins. I nearly went to an event last year, but then the last minute couldn't attend. And then, uh, crikey. Uh, trying to think who I'm, who I'm a network with, who I'm seeing things from online. God, you've stumbling with the third one now. There is a guy who's, who's fascinating me a little bit at the moment that I'm really trying to get some time with. It's David James, not the ex-Liverpool goalkeeper, obviously. Um, ex-head of global learning at Disney. I hope I've got his job title right. He's involved in the new generation learner experience. God, somebody needs to come up with a new name for that. Um, Loop. Yep. I'm not giving them a plug because we don't work with them. But they are very much part of this yeah, we've got the products, but we want to influence L&D. We want to share our examples. So what David James is doing, and I'm not, I'm not, I've spoken to one of his colleagues there, but he's using his experience. And look, he's been at Disney, so it opens doors. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. But that fascinates me because Disney is one of the most amazing brands in the world. And yeah, so looking at a lot of his resources online, they do a lot of blogs and stuff like that on the Loop website. And just really, what what's coming to mind for me with when I'm looking, and I only literally got, introduced into his name never mind him two weeks ago maybe last week is he is he is doing this thing that we've been talking about of look this is a successful LD model and approach this is how you can use it in an organization this is a real life story this is a blog about what coaching means to me etc etc so yeah i'd probably use him because he's a bit that i'm now starting to look at a little bit more and hopefully one day get in front of him to ask him some questions yeah so good three people um, proud mentor moment mentioning Lauren she's an absolute superstar um, and she, she's, she, she's just brilliant and she's one of as a mentor man she's just constantly coming up with new stuff and it's just it's just fascinating to watch David James I spoke to him on LinkedIn so um, hint hint you can, give yeah, me a, yeah. you can give me a way in there Danny yeah I think I think <laughs> yeah, it was it was brief from what I can remember it was a while back but yeah I'll see don't, we're not like best friends or anything like that. No, I mean, to be honest, what I like about what he's doing is, let's accept that if you're head of global learning, again, sorry if I'm getting the wrong title, at Disney, you could do that for the rest of your life and retire. Yeah, ride it out. Happy, let's just put it that way. Or do that for 20 years and then just go off and tell everybody that you did work for Disney. But he he seems to be, again, a cliche, but wanting to give things back. He wants to share what yeah. he did at Disney rather than just 
look at me, I worked for Disney, so yeah. I think it was Leon Bowen who put me onto the loop thing. I think it was him yeah. who mentioned it to me a while back, actually. So, next question. What is happiness to you, Tim? Bloody hell. Um, this is really bad for me, because the minute I turn my head and I have a habit to me, like, all I see is Old Trafford with Manchester United bright <laughs> red letters, so when United win, not very often these days. Now, um, look, there's a lot of things I think that go into that. It's that bit of... The bit when I think of happiness, it's that bit of when you go to bed and you're knackered from laughing, or you're knackered from working so hard and getting a really good result from it. Um, I was listening to some, a podcast the other day, actually, where somebody was saying, don't get happiness mixed up with a good time. So I don't I don't mean that, that I've just had a really good time, but it is that bit of I've spent time with, in brilliant company, I've had a really good laugh, I've been able to share my views, I've been able to maybe have some challenging conversations. Yeah, just that bit of going to bed at night when perhaps your body and your head's aching from just either learning a lot, working really hard, or just that element of having a really good time. And I think the reason I'd say that is because that can come from many different things. That can come from spending the day with my kids. It can come from going out with my mates. It can come from listening to vinyl records for two hours. It can come from talking to you. It can come from having a, a challenging day at work. So it's that bit of when your kind of head hits the pillow and it's a bit, yeah, I've had a really good day today. I think happiness, personally... I think, oh my God, I'm going deep here. I think you can only really know that as you do get older. And I, and I think it's that bit of being able to look back and say, I, I again, this isn't about changing the world, but it's just, I've had a good life. I've had a good influence on people. Um, I've, I've influenced my children the right way. I've got a group of friends that I've had for 40, 50, whatever many years. I've maintained the same interest. Yeah, I think that's the bit, and that's the bit that you've got to kind of work in mind to, work towards it's the coffee thing because he opens his book with at your funeral and all that kind of stuff but yeah it's i think it's that bit I, um, i'm not massively into golf but something that really stuck in my mind was tom watson uh ex by the way he's now a veteran golfer as they call him but he won lots of tournaments in 70s 80s early 90s stuff like that revered around the world as this pioneer of golf and helping other golfers and when he was playing his last british open a, a couple of years ago i saw an interview with him and they asked him about what what's your lasting memory or what's important to you. Maybe even the question, what's happening? It's probably expecting him to go, oh, walking up the 18th tee, knowing I've won the Open, or lifting <laughs> this trophy, or earning millions of pounds. And he said, all of that is just my job. And I've been very lucky to play golf all And he said, for me, I'll measure it on what people will say about me. Have I been a good husband? Have I been a good father? Have I been a good friend? And it really resonated me with, with me that, because that is what's important, isn't it? At the end of the day, I'm sorry, but it is, you know, as much money as you want, That that's what's important, because that's the value of Tom Watson or Danny Seals or Tim Roberts. That is the real value of it. So yeah, I think it's that, and yeah, it's that being, and my God, I can't do this every day, but aiming to be able to go to bed at night or wake up in the morning and go, yeah, I did all right yesterday. I, I I worked hard. I made people laugh, or you know, I made sure I was there for people. I, I kissed my kids goodnight, told my wife I love her, text me mate, whatever. It, it's that element of striving for that. Like I said, I, I don't do that every day because I, like everybody of my age, I think stress, anxiety, depression, whatever you want to call it, 
we, we have that. Uh, they have said it, I'm a man, but we do have it. I can see it in some of my mates a mile off. Um, so yeah, it's that piece of, there's going to be bad days. It's always, okay, let's just aim for maybe 80%, well, let's just aim for 60% of the time. <laughs> I go bed and feel like I've done I've I've done something that day where like I said whether that's just a made tea or whatever but yeah, yeah that that's probably that bit of what have I actually done not I've got a good car or whatever or yeah my vinyl collection does make me very happy but... <laughs> <laughs> it's that whole thing of a calendar you know when every day put a smile face or a sad face yeah, yeah. and then at the end of the month what can say actually we got more happy faces and sad faces then that month was a win I think so. What's what's something what you're learning right now? Maybe it's not professional. Maybe it's it's it, it's it's personal. And yeah, what is something what you're learning right now, and how are you learning it? Uh, that's a fantastic question. I, I probably would go professional because of this where I'm at in with Miss Guide at the moment. So I'm really challenging myself to create this, um, this I don't really know what to call it because I, I, I struggle with labels or whatever, but a big focus at the moment is this whole inspiring performance. So I went to culture because creating this culture whereby leaders are actually doing what everybody knows an effective leader does in terms of taking accountability, inspiring people, leading teams, giving feedback, setting the right performance measures, giving feedback on behaviours, all of that element that we know makes up a very good organisation. And I've I've done a bit of that in the past. I've done performance management workshops. I've managed people. But this is an opportunity to really create something and really drive it forward. So I'm really learning really, really what, what, what makes people tick from that point of view. How do I get manager buy-in? No point in me creating it, sticking it on the intranet. Or emailing everybody, here's your new performance review. Um, how do I really get under people's skin? How do I see the impact that that has on people and uh, leaders and squad members? So, the, the, you know, uh, predominantly people who get the reviews, if that makes sense. And how does that link into the business? How is this going to drive us as a business? The way I'm learning that, I'm asking as many questions as I possibly can. I'm very lucky that I get a decent audience with um, Gareth, our online CEO. Get some uh, get some time with knitting as well, and ask him kind of as many questions, and also watch their reaction when I might present stuff to them. So learning a bit from the experience. The bit before that is is probably through reading, is through googling, through nicking other people's ideas, through reaching out to my network, and it's through having a go at something. It's getting a blank piece of paper, drawing on it what I want, doing mind map, brainstorm, whatever you want to call it, and then bringing that together. So there's a whole piece of perhaps experiential learning of actually creating it and having a go as well as understanding what good looks like from a theory point of view, if that's the right way to put it, and then asking other people. And I think as well, one of the big things that I'm challenging myself with that is um, don't be easily influenced by this amazing thing that Google have done or this amazing thing that somebody else tells me about. Don't be easily influenced by somebody telling me this is what to do. So I'm learning from me challenging myself in that way from not just getting this Google thing or whatever it might be and just trying to do it, not, not picking up and trying to land it in this guy that's looking at, okay, what works really well? And also, challenging myself to, um, 
I'm going to say it this way, see through the bullshit. Because I'll tell you how amazing Inspiring Performance is. Of course I will, I've created it. It is amazing, but it doesn't come without challenges. And there's bits that we designed in that first and have taken out. There's bits I've changed since we've launched it through feedback from others. So when somebody tells me about this amazing thing, it's either asking them, all right, what was the worst thing that you did? What was what failed? What did you redesign? Of course, most of them go, nothing. We got it right the first time. Perfect. Whatever. Yeah. Um, or if, if it's from a book or from an article, it, it's, it's looking at it and saying, okay, what are the pinch points where this might not have landed well? And almost just trying to theorise if I was in that business, what where might this get thrown out? So yeah, it's probably that bit of looking for the the pinch points looking for the challenges and just constantly challenging my way of thinking because I have in the past got an idea gone with it and then gone oh shit this doesn't work <laughs> here's a new thing to try <laughs> but the reason I've done that is because I've not I've not looked for the, the challenges. I've not looked. I've not looked for the bit that's a bit crap. I've just mm. gone with it. This is amazing. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, there's that bias towards what you're looking for anyway. You're biased. That's a great way of putting it out, Danny. Yeah. So yeah, there's that bit. It, it, the learning pieces. That is the the experiential and putting myself in, in challenging situations. So pushing myself and asking my manager to you know kind of saying let me have the time with the CEO. Let me get in front of the heads of. Let me get in front of the execs. And I've never probably done that on a, on a, on a bigger scale as I am doing now. I, I did a lot of that, Eddie Stobart, with built some good relationships with our senior leadership team. But this is the first organisation where I've really said, no, I want to show this to people. I want to run this. I want to get in front of people. So that that's the bit of me then challenging myself to say, okay, when I come out of that, how do I feel? What did I do well? What should I do differently? And then being able to go back and then do it better next time. So I think that's the big learning point for me is I'm, I'm not hiding in the shadows. I'm not getting the ideas and getting someone else to present it. I'm saying, no, you're doing it, Tim. So it kind of leads me on to, and I know we need to wrap up because we've... It's fine, mate, time-wise. Um, so what's what's a bit of advice? If you're, you can, you can fast-forward your life and you're 80 years old now. Okay, I guess what's the one bit of advice what you would give yourself now what you're still struggling to take? Oh, I'm still struggling to take. Uh, I want to tell from the body language that this is ours. Um, it is probably... I don't, know if, I don't know if... I was going to say believing in myself. I don't like talking about myself. I've like got this thing programmed in me that I'm humble and I'll give other people credit. And one of my mentors purposely always says to me, what have you done really well, Tim? And, and I know, even when she asks it me, because I've had an open conversation with her saying, I don't like talking about myself and that's what she'll say. I know, that's why I asked you that question. <laughs> so it would probably be maybe a bit of believe in yourself. Okay. Maybe... Be a little bit more direct at times, at the right times. I don't mean forceful, but maybe put myself out there a little bit more in terms of putting my name to something. So yeah, it'd probably be that really is. Um, and maybe there's still a bit of that worrying about rejection kind of thing. So it'd probably be that really is. Um, maybe be a bit braver. I think that's the bit that, like, if somebody tells me I've done something good, I like. It feels good, but I'm a bit like, no, no, um, yeah, that's somebody else's idea. So yeah, um, it's it's probably that bit really. Is maybe take the compliment, believe in yourself, and 
use that to do something better next time. Okay. So, I guess, where, kind of, you know, you talked at the beginning you wanted to be a footballer, and, you know, that wouldn't happen. So, obviously, we, we never stop growing up. We never do. <laughs> you know, there's this fake thing of, you leave school, and that's it, you do what you want to do. And we never stop growing. So, I guess, one of my last questions, I guess, to you is, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> um... God, can I just be corny and say happy? Um, yeah, I'm not someone who's going to turn around and go head of L&D or L&D director. Um, yeah, it probably just is. <laughs> happy. Okay. Surrounded by people that love me, whatever, you know, again, whatever way you want to say it. Um, I, I, well, I, actually, I, I should probably... I, this is exactly the advice I need to take for myself, and it? Talk about myself. I would like to have had a positive influence on people. I'm not Nelson Mandela or whatever. I'm not going to change the world, but just being able to look back and say, yeah, I influenced people in the right way. I made them believe in themselves. I inspired people. Yeah, that's what I'd like to be when I grow up, is being able to have had a positive influence on people. Yeah, that would be the thing for me. Okay, cool. Where can people find out a bit more about Tim? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Okay, <laughs> that's a bit I'm quite prominent on. Um, what's my Twitter handle? Tim Tim Roberts seventy eight. Have a look. I'll, I'll uh, I should know that really, shouldn't I? Yeah. I don't know my own Twitter. Um, yeah, find me on LinkedIn, um, and then yeah, just drop us a message. Um, I work at Misguided. That's no secret. So I'm quite easy to find. Uh, yeah, get in touch if you want to know more. Uh, I think the big thing about that is get in touch if you want to have a a conversation of like we've had that that's the big thing for me really is because this, this this is exactly what it is it's a conversation that is an element of mentoring to it i guess um but yeah if you want to find out a bit more i'm quite uh, busy on linkedin okay. uh, so yeah cool so at the beginning of the day i asked you to pick some numbers and the numbers you picked oh, were yes. two three eighteen twenty and thirty okay so number two is a spoon <laughs> And number three is That's a cutlery type. Is a yeah. Is a, is a bottle. <laughs> just, just need to clarify. <laughs> is a bottle cap. Um, number eighteen is a model car. And number twenty, number twenty is a rubber band. And number thirty is a cookie jar. You're stuck on a desert island. What do you do with these items? Just to finish up on a lighter note. Uh, the spoon, I'd, well, ideally eat some food, but maybe all about the coconuts. But I'll also maybe use the spoon to try and create a bit of a tune with a bottle top. Okay. Because um, I've not got my vinyl record player in on a desert island. Um, what was the other one, sorry? A cookie jar? A cookie jar, a rubber band, and a model car. Uh, a rubber band. I'd probably just flick it at things to entertain myself I'll end up snapping it knowing me a model car that would be to help me imagine what I could be doing instead of being so I could imagine using that model car to drive around the world and go wherever I want rather than just being stuck on a desert island the cookie jar have they got cookies in it? let's say yes oh, for oh, sake come on well I'd have to eat them quite quick because they go off on a desert island the cookie jar um I would use that as a, uh, we talked off air about NLP anchors. 
I'd use that as a bit of an imagery of imagining my memories and the things that are important to me are in that cookie jar. So even because I've not got them, okay. and I could look at that in the moment of solitude and pretend it's a vinyl record. It's me. It's me wife. It's my kids. Then my vinyl records. Um, it's Man United. All those things. It's the it's the coaching that I could use that as this bit of, and I, and I could maybe put shells in it that represents Paul Weller and a shell that represents something else. Yeah, I'd use that as that kind of visual imagery to take me back to better times when I'm not starving on a desert island. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think that's a wrap, Tim. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for taking the time out of the day. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the time. I like to waffle, so thank you, Danny. Loved it. Been a pleasure. Cheers, Tim. Thank you. Yeah.